Hey, Court TV podcast listeners, it's producer Dave here. This week, we have an encore episode of our podcast, part of our coverage from the Texas versus Amber Geiger murder trial, a trial you can see on demand at CourtTV.com. And don't forget, you'll be able to find out even more about this trial in an upcoming episode of Court TV's newest original true crime series, Judgment with Ashley Banfield. Sunday nights at 8, 7 central, only on Court TV. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, the trial of former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger has begun. Will the prosecution be able to prove she murdered Botham Jean when she entered his apartment? What will it take for her lawyers to prove it was all just a tragic mistake? And we'll recap the Corn Rake murder trial now that the Iowa jury has delivered a verdict. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Court TV Podcast, or welcome back if you are returning. I'm Vinnie Politan, along with my friend, colleague, Seema Iyer. Hello, good morning. How many people do you think are actually returning? Returning listeners? Yeah, I, I think we have a bunch of them. I think we have a lot of returning listeners, hopefully some new listeners that sure. we want to thank. We have so many wonderful reviews and uh, people are, you know, they're trying to give us six and seven stars, but I, I think know. five is the max. Well, we, we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much so for all your grateful. support. Because your support keeps this thing going. Because yeah. if the reviews dry up and everything else, you know, the, the suits upstairs are going to pull the plug on us. And so. it really is one of the best parts of our week, I think. Well, I know you are super. I, I just love this. I love it so queen. much. I love go. it so much. It's great. I love everybody who's here helping us put this together and the end product. And it's. You know, it's really nice that we wake up on Thursdays and we get all these like great texts and messages and yeah, I love everybody. It. I love it. Well, the thing is, we've got so many things happening at Court TV. It's like fast yes. and furious, one after the other, case after case. We got another one now. This is the, this might be the biggest one so far. I think so. I think so. It, it it really is a huge trial. Amber Geiger, the white Dallas police officer who is on trial now for shooting an unarmed black man, Botham Jean, in his apartment. All right, some people are going to call you on that and say, why, what, what, what does it matter that she's white? Does it matter? I think the reason it matters now is because what this country has gone through in the last, let's say, five to seven years, really when the Trayvon Martin killing at the hands of George Zimmerman occurred, and that was a Florida case back, and the, I think the trial was the summer of 2013, but things since then have evolved into Escalated. racial, right? Escalated racial and, and, questions, and there absolutely is that backdrop to all of this. Um, and and it's, it's it's about police also. So the case, the, the story here, in, in in a nutshell, is Amber Geiger is a police officer. She's in her uniform, goes uh, at the end of her shift, is going home to her apartment complex, and ends up going into her neighbor's apartment. Her neighbor, who lives one directly one floor above her, yes. goes into his apartment. He's an accountant. He's eating a bowl of ice cream. She shoots and kills him. Exactly. Now, when you say, does it matter that 
she is white, well, it mattered from the jump because she was charged with manslaughter and now she's on trial for murder. So that is the initial question that I think our listeners deserve an answer to is why? Why did this go from manslaughter to murder? And let's talk about the Texas murder statute. Sure. Now, this this uh, sad, traumatic death occurred on September 6, 2018. Amber Geiger, she's the one who calls 911. And that evening, uh, Botham Jean dies in the hospital. Now that night, Geiger gives a blood sample and the the and the the she doesn't get arrested right away though. The next day, uh she still has not been interviewed, but the Dallas police get a search warrant for Jean's apartment on September 8th. This this is what was interesting because it is a Dallas police officer being investigated. The Dallas police give the case over to the Texas Rangers. They take over the investigation. Uh, Her name is then released to the public. Now, she turns herself in the following day, September 9th. Texas Rangers interview her. She is charged with manslaughter. Manslaughter, as you know, is just an unlawful killing. It is not murder in the first degree. It's not murder in the second degree. Right. It, it's conduct that is less than intentional. It's it's reckless conduct. Uh, oftentimes, it's 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 you are responsible for the death because of your conduct, but it wasn't like you set out to go and kill someone. Exactly. So this case moves forward as a manslaughter. However, the family is very vocal. There are a lot of protests going on, not only in Dallas, but throughout the country. And it took until it took a few weeks until September 24th when Geiger gets fired. And that's when the family really demands that the charges be upgraded to murder. And in fact, the charges are upgraded to murder, but not until November 30th, 2018. This case is presented to a grand jury and I'm holding the indictment. Okay. And when I saw this indictment, I thought, wait a minute. It seems like a few words are missing because the statute says there was an intentional and knowing cause of death. Intentional and knowing. What's missing? Uh, Doesn't something... Premeditation? Uh, Malice? Not in Texas. Not in Texas. And that is the... you know, it's a huge difference. It's a huge That's difference. It's a so, game changer. So, okay, so let's set this up. So there is federal murder statutes. There are state murder statutes. Every state is different. So, for instance, in New York, if you kill a police officer, you're automatically charged with murder in the first degree. New York, it's really hard to be charged with murder in the first degree. Now, here, this is murder in the first degree, and in most states, like you had mentioned, there is this element of premeditation. Most states require intent, deliberation, and premeditation. Right. And premeditation can be what? Days can, of planning? It can be days, weeks, months of planning. It can be in an instant, but there has to be that moment where you are somehow have a, a moment to, to deliberate, to, to think about it before acting on it before doing it. And a lot of times, you know, that makes the difference between what is a murder case and a manslaughter case in other states around the country. Then there's other states. We've covered cases in Georgia where there isn't the premeditation, but there's the element of malice. But in most states, there's that extra element. And in Texas, it doesn't exist, which makes things a lot 
easier and cleaner for prosecutors when they're going for a murder conviction. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought a malice because malice is an interesting definition. Uh, yes, often connected to first degree murder. And it generally includes an evil disposition or purpose or an indifference to human life. Now, that's also an interesting phrase, indifference to human life, because sometimes we connect indifference to human life with reckless disregard or yes. depraved heart. So these are things that listeners, depending on where you live, your murder statue may have that, that evil disposition, that depraved indifference, uh, reckless disregard. These are, the, but not Texas. Texas intentional and knowing right and, and, it, and, and if i look at the facts of this she fired the gun and intentionally shot i mean is there any right dispute okay. about that she's because she's in this apartment she thinks there's an intruder and she pulls her weapon and she aims it she shoots it she fires it she kills it. that's what she intended to do i that's want murder. Uh, right it is murder but i i want to just just go a little more granular with the word intent because i think that people you know, in normal language, people think intent means uh, tonight I intend to have a salad for dinner. No. When you eat the salad, the eating of the salad is in your tent, intent to eat the salad. Right. When I grab the fork and put it into the bowl, that's when I am intending to eat that salad. Now, I, I plan to maybe have a salad tonight. I may be premeditating exactly. the salad, right? Exactly. And maybe I, I, I go and I buy lettuce. That's an act in furtherance of it, right? So Perfect. now you've got more evidence of my intent exactly. to make that salad and eat it, right? Exactly. Maybe I grab some mayonnaise and ketchup. What would I do with that? A hamburger. No, make Thousand Island dressing. That's, That's a, the secret first recipe. Of all, Most people don't know that. Now you do. Okay, now I'm gonna vom. What? You're gonna. That's how. Is it you actually make these things? That's and how you, call you make it, Thousand Island. It's mayonnaise and ketchup. It's that. Do you easy. make Thousand Island dressing at home? Well, no, sometimes I make it at restaurants. If I want Thousand Island, they say, "Oh, we don't have any." I go to the the server. Well, do you have mayonnaise? I, they say, "Yes." Do you have ketchup? Yes. That's, All right, bring me those. I'll make it myself. That sounds so gross. That's, that's, that's Your food choices disgust that's me. Okay, so anyway, but the point is, conscious objective or purpose is the. Most most people use that as the definition of intent, but just doing the act means you intended to do the act. Because she shot him, she intended to shoot him. Right. Knowingly, because she knew. And this is not in dispute. Even though she says she was mistakenly in that apartment, she thought it was her apartment, she thought it was an intruder, but did she know that she was shooting a human being? Yes, she did. Yeah. So in this case, I think it's it's relatively easy for prosecutors. Well, no case is easy, right? But it's easy for them to fulfill those elements. The, the question is, um, when you look at those elements, how does the defense then approach it? What do they say? How do they try to combat the fact that it's obvious and, and basically admitted that she shot him and she intended to shoot him and she intended to kill him? What they plan to do is something that we're going to talk about later in the pod. But first, we're going to talk about an issue that surrounds all this, right? Amber Geiger is a police officer. She's in her police uniform when this takes place. But was this an actual police shooting? The answer depends upon who you ask. An all-new 
true crime series. These are the true stories behind the trials. Renowned journalist Ashley Banfield takes you behind the scenes of the most compelling cases in history. We focus on the detail. We focus on the evidence. And investigates the murders, lies, and alibis that led to justice in the courtroom. This is the new chapter in true crime. Judgment with Ashley Banfield. All new episodes, Sunday nights at 8 on Court TV. You know, when I think of the term police shooting, there's a, a certain fact pattern that comes to my mind because I've covered so many of these through trials and, and when I was doing uh, local news as well. It's something happens, there's a call, police respond, and then guns are fired, and there's a police shooting. Either the police shoot and kill someone, they shoot and miss, they get shot, whatever it is. That's the traditional police shooting. Police are on duty yes. and responding to a call about something that's happening. Perhaps it's a crime in progress or or some suspect that's wanted. And and this case, Amber Geiger, to me, is a little bit different. And, you know, she's getting off duty, right? She's been on duty all she's day. She's off duty. And she's on her way home. But in her uniform. She's in her uniform. With her police bag. And her weapon. And her weapon and that bulletproof vest or something. Sure, with her. Yeah. sure. And her weapon, right? That's the important part. So is this, from your perspective, because you've represented so many police officers and, and, and worked with them, is this a police shooting? Do you think this is a police shooting? No, it is not a police shooting. However, uh, it, this is exactly something I would have had to represent a police officer for. Uh if the because okay, so first of all, with the NYPD, they have really strict rules. You that's cannot, who you worked for. I yeah, I worked for the NYPD for a few years before I before I came to Core TV essentially. But major rule, you cannot be in your uniform driving home. You have to change in and out of your uniform at the command. It's a major violation if interesting. Right. So that was because okay, just think about it. Like if I'm going if I'm leaving my command in my uniform, I go to fill up gas. Right. Everyone presumes you're on exactly, duty. Exactly, exactly. So the bottom line is you cannot go you cannot you go to work in civilian clothes, you leave work in civilian clothes. That's it. Okay, the other issue is the gun. Now, there are, I, I think there are officers who keep the gun at home so they can, you know, they're, they're, but there's rules in terms of carrying your weapon. So, so that, I, I don't, that wasn't as much of an issue. But the point is, it is not a police shooting if she was not on duty. Right. Full stop. But as I listen to prosecutors putting this case together, that that's the way they're couching it, and and take well, a, why I, I I'm not and I can tell you why because they want I think they want to hold Amber Geiger to a higher standard than a civilian. So take a listen to what the prosecutor said in his opening statement. She departed from her training and her orders as a Dallas Police Department police officer. Their orders and her training are that if you come across a person that is inside of a, of a habitation, like a burglar. If you have the opportunity to safely do so, you are to take a position of cover and concealment and contain that individual and call for backup. These rules are made and designed primarily because that maximizes the safety of the police officer. Incidentally, it also maximizes the safety of the person on the other side of the door. You know, as I listen to that, uh, I, I'm, it, it, it's interesting because I understand the training but it sounds like he's talking about when police respond to the call for a burglary. 
Now, she's walking into an apartment, and again, <laughs> this is what the whole case is about, is about, you know, um, her state of mind. But she believes she's walking into her own apartment, so she believes she's coming upon a burglar in her own home. Right. Which is different than getting a call on the radio. We've got a breaker one now. we got a we got a burglary in progress. And, and you're responding but, to it. Okay. So it just happens. So to me, that's that's different. And, and I don't know. Is it? Do you think it's fair to hold her to her training and 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 what she's supposed yes, to do yes, in responding yes. to a burglary okay. when she comes upon one in her own home? Yes, yes. It's just it's the same as how doctors and lawyers are are held to a higher standard. As officers of the court, you and I are expected to conduct ourselves perhaps at a higher standard than regular folks. Uh, as representatives of, of Court TV, right? You know, I I don't. You're not uh, posting by my self. employer, maybe, but by a court of law, by a jury. Should should a, a a police officer who is arguably off duty? Okay, wait. I will hold on. I'm even not if done. even the police officers on duty, should they be held to a higher standard than because a citizen it, coming home to their home and finding a burglar? And and the citizen doesn't have to do anything, but you as a police officer have to somehow retreat or take cover, whereas a citizen in Texas would not have to do that. Okay, here's why. You have you cannot escape her training number 1 and number 2 the fact that she was in uniform. So you have to hold her to a higher standard. Plus, wait, hold on a second. The defense is opening the door. They are saying that she was sleep deprived because of her job. So at, if the defense is going to open the door and bring in her employment as a police officer as part of the reason this tragedy occurred, all bets are off. Wow. And here's, here's, here's the problem that I have with it. And, and I'm not saying that she's not guilty. What I'm saying here is, is merely does someone who's a police officer have a different standard to defend themselves than ordinary citizen would in, in the state of Texas. That does okay, not seem under fair. The law, wait, under the law. I, I don't think they do under the law. Under the law, they do not. Under the law, they do not. However, but, it is how you argue it to a jury. So when you're arguing the elements as a prosecutor, the foundation for that argument includes, hey, this person should know better because this person is trained, because this person has been in this in this situation before, because this person is walking around with a police uniform and you are representing the police department when you do that. I, I get that. I understand I what that you're saying under her, the law. And that's one of the reasons she was fired from right. her job. Right. But now we're talking about uh, someone who's been arrested and charged with murder and again, it's not about is she guilty or not guilty, but should she be treated the same as any other ordinary citizen? And it seems to me the prosecutor doesn't want that to happen, is holding this this officer to a different standard and is trying to couch this entire thing as a police shooting while the defense is going in the opposite direction, saying, no, she's but off duty. But they're not duty. going, no, but oh, they're she's not. She's off duty. But, this isn't but a, they're using she's not resp- they're arguing. She's not responding to a burglary. A burglary is happening in but, front of her. But wait, they also brought in her out, mind. but the prosecution's brought out that because of her job, she knew there were robberies happening in the area. Because of her job, she knew that area was having a crime problem. So she's on heightened alert. Right. Heightened alert. But, but so if the defense still. is going to bring it out, then I think, listen, you're right. Under the law, 
she is not held to a higher standard. Like when I was talking about how murder in the first degree, if you kill a cop in New York, it's automatically, boom, murder one. It's not like that. It's not in the statute. Right. But But at the same time, the argument can be made. Yeah, the arguments are being made, and and people and, and I've been reading social media. I'm guilty, I, I, but I, right. I try to get a sense of what people are saying because people at home who are watching this trial are responding the way jurors may respond, and a, and a lot of people are holding her to a yeah, higher but, 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 standard. And, well, why are why are you annoyed by that? She's the one who's wearing a freaking uniform home. What's wrong with her? Because ultimately, if you're being charged with murder, the law should be the same for me as for a police officer, for self-defense, for murder, for everything else. There shouldn't be a difference. It is. And and here's the the problem. If we hold them to a higher standard, then we're holding ordinary citizens to a lower standard, which scares me as well. It should just be one standard for all. It is. The law is the same. That's not what the prosecutor's arguing. I think that's unfair. I think that's unfair. I think that's dangerous. she She shouldn't have worn her uniform home. She shouldn't be opening the door by arguing sleep deprivation. She shouldn't be blaming the job There's a lot of things she for shouldn't being have done. so unbelievably. Uh, I mean, listen, this was stupid. Well, this sh- was a stupid crime. This was stupid. It was a tragedy that didn't have to oh, happen. Yeah. If she, ha- if well, she wasn't sexting, happened. instead of she was watching where the hell she was walking, there was a bright red floor mat in front of her. I this know. kid died. I mean, this is this is one of the worst crimes that I have seen, you know, well, since I've been an adult. Well, Botham Jean, the victim in the case, could not be more innocent. He is an accountant. Watching Thursday night football on eating, his couch. Wait, wait, eating vanilla eat, ice cream. Vanilla ice cream. Is there anything no, I, more I, innocent I than like, just sitting at home no. after a hard day's work, you know, watching television and eating a bowl of ice cream? That's like that's that's a, should be the perfect night of relaxation. He shouldn't have a worry in the world. And someone comes into his home, shoots and kills. And I'm not arguing any of that. I'm just saying when it's time to judge someone, I do not want Different standards for different people. We're all people. We're all citizens. We all have the same rights, and we all have the same responsibilities. And I don't think it should be different just because you're a police officer, or it should be less because you're not a police officer. You shouldn't be able to be more willy-nilly with your gun because you're not a police officer. Just saying. Okay, and I completely disagree. I think that people like you and I, because we are officers of the court, that we should be held to a higher standard. I'm officially retired. I'm officially doctors. retired from the bar, so do not hold me to any different so, okay, standard. Okay, so you could be a doofus. Then, then I producer won't Dave, I, please. I, I, <laughs> Same standard. And just like how doctors have to stop and help someone, uh, whether it's on a plane, you listen. You know the drill. But okay, but again. It is about, because you're saying that she shouldn't be held to a higher standard. Well, you know who's holding her to that standard? It is the defense. The defense opened the door, and that is why this is perhaps being looked at like a police shooting. But what does the defense have to do in this case? We're going to talk about that next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Hey, Vinny, what did you think about the defense's opening statement where he told us 
we're going to hear from Amber Geiger. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's I've seen it a few times. Very I've actually, few. I've seen it a couple of times where it was said, and then the person didn't testify. Which <gasps> that's my concern. Yeah, but no, I think she she has to testify. I think she's got to tell her story. I mean, yeah, you've got the nine one one call. You've got uh, other evidence, but get up there and and take this jury inside your mind. Try try to help them understand why it's reasonable that you shot and killed an accountant who's sitting home eating a bowl of vanilla ice cream while watching television. Okay, yes, yes, but I want to talk a little bit about process, process, and that is defense attorney process saying that in opening statement, what if all of a sudden she freaks out and goes, I'm not testifying. I think it's a bad look. Yeah, unless you come back and say, yeah, you heard from her in that 911 call. Yeah, but. Right. Yeah. But didn't he say, I think he yeah, said like, it, oh, you're going to hear from her. But okay. So he set out the defense otherwise. So that's number one. So uh, this is a preview to our listeners. <laughs> you better be watching this trial because when Amber Geiger testifies, the whole world will be watching Court TV. Yeah. Have to. Okay. So uh, let's listen to a, a clip from the defense's opening statement. And she fired twice and she's thought, oh my God, I just had to defend my life and she approaches the body and the adrenaline, the fear turns into horror as she starts processing, oh my God, that's, that's not my table. I don't have that ottoman. Oh my God, that ironing board is not mine. Oh my God. It starts to dawn on her as she approaches Mr. John's body what a horrible, horrible mistake she has just made. Okay, so we went into this trial, Vinny. We knew they were going to talk about mistake, mistake of fact, and that was going to be their defense. But it's a little bit, it's very, this is very complicated. It, it is a very complicated defense. Okay. Absolutely. So first thing that everyone needs to know is the first part, before we can get mistake of fact, which is the defense. The jury has to decide if the prosecution has proved beyond a reasonable doubt all the elements of the crime. Then the jury can consider if the prosecution has proved that the defendant did not make a mistake. Right. Because the burden, I don't even for, know what I just said. Yeah, this is so confusing. Well, this is this is the the burden. The burden is always on the prosecution to prove the case, and sometimes by proving your case, you have to prove that something doesn't exist, which is the, which is what the defense is alleging here, which is the mistake that this was not a reasonable mistake. Right. And what I thought the prosecution did really well in their opening is that they they set up every uh, the path the path from parking the car to going to Botham Jean's apartment, showing how it wasn't a reasonable mistake. Every step, unreasonable, unreasonable, unreasonable parking the car, unreasonable not seeing the four, unreasonable getting on the elevator, unreasonable not realizing that, hey, this is not the same view that I'm used to every single day. Uh, unreasonable that I didn't notice that plant or the non-plant in the hallway unreasonable about the the red floor mat so they did a good job with that part whereas the defense is saying it was reasonable oh the other part that they thought i thought was really good what'd you think of this when they said how come when she entered the apartment she didn't notice the smell the smell right because a big part of the case is that uh 
Both of them, Jean smokes marijuana. He he does it medicinally uh, because he's having problems with Adderall, and it was right. explained and it was uh, embraced by the prosecution. So how does she not reasonably recognize that smell of marijuana? How does she not see the floor mat? How does she not recognize these hallways she's walking down and how different they are? How does she not recognize when she gets out of her car and it's an open-air parking spot, how does she not see that the skyline is, is so much higher? Yeah, that's it, the skyline. Right, right. And so this this seems to be the big difference. Was the mistake reasonable or unreasonable? But I think it's so tricky because, again, you can't even get to that until you the jury at least has to say, did the prosecution prove it wasn't a mistake? So right. Put, it's, it's, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. and will be confusing for the jury as well. Now, one thing the defense has done is they sent their investigator to that apartment complex yes. and found 92 people who parked on the wrong floor. They found 42 people that, that parked on uh, mistakenly between the third and fourth floor, right, which are right. the floors in question here. So is it unreasonable if other people are making the same mistake? Uh, obviously, the big difference is, is how this one resulted. It's not just someone can't find their car the next day. It's no, somebody went in and shot someone. There's another tricky part of what the defense has to do and the law surrounding this. Let's play another clip from the defense's opening statement. And when you apply your reasoning, when you apply common sense and the law of self-defense, it will be clear. It will be clear that the only verdict, the only justice in this case is to find Amber Geiger not guilty. So when I heard this in the opening statement. Now I'm totally confused because I thought we were talking about mistake of fact. I understand, okay, so the people have to prove it wasn't a mistake. And then the defense says, oh, yeah, it was a mistake. Plus, it was a reasonable mistake. And now we're talking about self defense. Right. What? Be- well, because, is because going if on? she has made the mistake in her mind that she reasonably believes that she's in her own apartment, then. She's defending herself from a burglar who the defense says is approaching her and not listening to her commands and not, as she pulled her weapon, is still coming towards her. 30 feet, 25 feet, 20 feet, 15 feet, and then she has to defend herself in that moment. And from the defense perspective, this is a justified shooting based upon a reasonable mistake of fact that she thought she was in her apartment when, in fact, she's in the apartment of an innocent man, Botham John. You need to write that down, and we need to uh, fax it or text it or email it to the judge because that's how he has to read the jury instruction. The way you said it was perfection. That's the only way that I can wrap my head around this. Yeah, and it's and, really but the jury has to understand that. But the, so, really, I think a lot of this case will come down to reasonable mistake versus unreasonable mistake because that's that's the key that unlocks uh getting to self-defense okay okay, okay. that's okay that makes sense so basically even though she that's wasn't actually threatened it. he wasn't right. armed he wasn't going to do anything to her okay that's still but, the key to getting to self-defense and that's how you think the jury instruction needs to be read in a way so the key to, the key to getting to self-defense is kind of going through the reasonableness of the mistake absolutely but okay. that reasonableness is a, is a is is a fact that has to be determined by the jury, whether or not it was reasonable right. or and, unreasonable. Oh, so here's the other part, which is what I think the prosecution was trying to put in there, is that uh, you know all of her distractions and missing all these signs on her path to the apartment was because she was sexting her boyfriend. Well, this this is an interesting fact and, and or alleged fact. I'm trying to figure out um, 
how it's going to play here because you've got all during the day she's sexting and texting with um, Martin Rivera, Martin Rivera, her partner and part-time lover, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, good. Okay. good. She can Thank name you. that too. Uh, but, but that was they—they they had had a sexual relationship in the past. Can I tell when I was with the NYPD? Right. Every other case was somebody sleeping with somebody, and anytime you so it's have. Common. Oh my God. Every time you have like a man, male, female partners, they always end up having sex. Really? All the it's time. It's not just on TV. It, every day of my life. life. Wow. Every day of my life. Well, that's part of the danger here now because now as she's driving from work to her apartment, she's on the phone with him for 16 minutes. And, and they're, the, you know. The defense version is they're talking about work. They're not talking about sex. Now, were there or were there not plans to get together that night? That's the issue. The prosecution says she was not tired. She was ready for a big night with Martin Rivera. He was coming over to the apartment so they could get reacquainted sexually. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah, the we def- know what you mean. You don't have to spell it. I mean, <laughs> I just want to make sure. I know, I know you're like spelling these things out. Yeah, everybody knows what you mean except you. Go ahead. But the defense is saying, no, she was exhausted. She was just going to crash. Which, okay, so and I'm and I'm before we move on. That's the last thing I I, I do want to end on is that sleep deprivation is something else we have to add to the mix because we uh, the defense I think they're calling a sleep deprivation expert. So right. now, does the sleep deprivation does that contrib that contributes to the reasonableness of her mistake part? Yeah, that's what, that's what they have to argue. They're going to need experts, but the, and they're going to need her, her as well, and we'll see how it all turns out. So sleep deprivation adds to the reasonableness of her mistake. Therefore, she's in a position where she's defending herself. Case closed. Got to go. Yes. Well, we'll see how it turns out. In the meantime, we had another verdict on court TV, right? Huge. Oof. And let me tell you, some folks, and again, I, I read your comments. I do read them, right? People that post wherever about our cases. And the reaction, people not liking this verdict, not believing this verdict. And it was a guilty verdict. The Cornrake murder trial reaction. And I'm going to try to explain why it does make sense next. journalist Ashley Banfield takes you behind the scenes of the most compelling cases in history. This is the new chapter in true crime. Judgment with Ashley Banfield. All new episodes Sunday nights at 8 on Court TV. We the jury find the defendant Todd Michael Mullis guilty of the crime of murder in the first degree. I cannot believe in all my years at Court TV, never has there been this type of a reaction to a guilty verdict. Really? Our viewers yeah. lean towards conviction, especially when spouses are accused of killing their spouses and leaving their sure, children sure. motherless, right? But in this case, Todd Mullis, who testified in his own defense, somehow that was, the greatest two was days of my tugging life. at the heartstrings of so viewers. So good who did not believe the many of them, I'm not saying all of them, but many of them, many more uh, than, than usual, believed that this guy was either innocent or the case was not proven against him for murder. I, I'm shocked by that reaction. Wait, okay, so you remember on after he did his direct testimony, because that was one day, and then he did cross the next day. And this day. is the corn rake murder trial. Todd Mullis accused of murdering rake. his wife with a corn rake. With a corn rake. 
Yes, folks, a corn rake. It's a real thing. So I thought he was so good on direct. I was totally in the tank with Todd. I was feeling it. Cross-examination was a little bumpy. But why are people so... Listen, I was surprised. I thought it was going to be a honk. I thought it was going to be a honk. No, Iowa, they come to a conclusion. They like to finish things up. Iowa right. juries. I think Why? they do. I How think do they know? do. That's just like the way the they are. You're like the, the spokesman for the state of Iowa? Now all of a I've sudden? Never, you live, I've, have you been to I've never Iowa? covered a hung jury in Iowa. That's all I'm saying. They're oh, okay. Have, okay. It hasn't been a ton of trials, but never, okay, never so a hung Okay, so not jury. a lot of trials. But never you're hung. You're not from Iowa, but now you're the spokesperson for Iowa. Okay, go. So why why are people so upset? They're, they're upset because they don't believe that it was proven beyond a reasonable doubt. They don't think the evidence was there. But let me just explain this to you folks. It's an Iowa farm. It's in the middle of nothing. There a is a huge farm. It's 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 a huge farm, but the actual buildings are very isolated from any neighbors, okay? So in order for some third party to somehow wander onto the farm for the intent to kill Amy Lynn Mullis. First of all, they had to get there without anyone noticing. Todd Mullis that morning went out before breakfast, came back after breakfast, and did not, and he testified. He didn't yeah. see anyone, okay? Yeah. There was no one else on that farm. But there are, you know, at least in our graphics, and we, we could see things on CoreTV.com, but you can tell, like, anywhere on that farm, because there's no high trees. There's nothing high. No. You could see a car approaching for miles. And, and you've seen it in the movies. When someone's yes. driving down one of those Iowa gravel roads, the dust is flurring, and you know five minutes before they get there that someone's coming. Nobody else, there's no evidence anyone else was there there now if someone happened to make their way to the farm i don't know how you would get there you'd have to drive there i don't know where you're hiding the car okay but let's say they even got there they showed up without a weapon and they showed up knowing that at some point that morning amy mullis is going to leave the north hog barn right, right by herself to go to the red shed to get that pet carrier and when she does that i know as this mystery third-party murderer, uh-huh. I know there's a corn rake in there. You knew so it. So when the she gets in that red in shed, I'm going to murder her with that corn rake. It's preposterous because if you are going there to kill Amy Mullis, you're bringing a weapon and you're using it because if Todd Mullis catches you or finds you, he's got a, a, a house full of guns and he's going to use it on you for trying to kill the mother of his children if that is the actual story, which to me is Unreasonable doubt. Unreasonable, right. Unreasonable doubt. Incredible. So it had to be someone on the farm. So I don't know what these people are thinking. Are they all thinking that um, the son did it? No. Okay, wait, wait. Hold on a second. I'll tell you what the problem is. It's people are not happy with the verdict because the prosecution didn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. The timeline. The timeline is a big problem because Tristan, the son, testified that at the deposition, he said there was only one minute, 40 seconds where he was away from his dad. Right. At the trial, he said, I don't remember the time. Right. I don't remember the time. So how much was it? Was it two minutes? Was it five minutes? Nobody was it a heard half any hour? noises. Her injuries, she had facial injuries. She had scrapes and bruises to her face. She had lacerations to her knees. She had bruises. Did you just say no one heard any noises? Yeah. Well, if, if, to her knuckles. if Todd and Tristan are in the North Hog Barn and this third party uh, mystery murderer that I talked about earlier yeah. in the podcast yeah. a couple seconds ago. I, I was here. I was they like, didn't right hear here. that either. So, to me, that 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 okay, argument okay, that's fair. has okay, no that's fair. value. Okay, to okay, me. wait, hold on. But I'm saying no all, of, all of her injuries. Okay, again, 
face, knees, hands, knuckles, that blunt force trauma to the jaw, which was not consistent with falling on the floor. It wasn't consistent with an accident. It was, right. Yeah, okay. And then you have the two or three uh, strikes to the back with the corn rake producing six puncture holes. All of that takes time. You can't do that all in one minute but, and 40 seconds. But your premise is wrong. There is no timeline. The defense did not try to get a time. Well, the defense did through Todd Mullis, okay? Yeah. Todd Mullis's timeline when he testified was uh, Tristan, when he left the North Hog Barn to go into the office that is attached to the Hog Barn, yeah. was in there for just seconds. Just seconds. And now, so his testimony now is that Tristan cannot remember that it took just seconds to get a drink and then come back. Because that's what Todd's saying. He just went in there, got a drink, and came right back within seconds. Okay? That's the defense timeline. That is a lie. Because if it was just seconds, there's no way that Tristan wouldn't remember that it was just seconds. And there's no way that... Wait, Tristan's like... 14 years old. 14 years you don't old. Know what he's going to remember. He knows the difference between, hey, I wait, went there for a oh, drink wait, for wait, two wait, wait, seconds. Wait, hold on a second. This kid a week ago said one minute, 40 seconds, and the next week says, I don't remember. After talking Tristan to his attorney. A lot of credit. After speaking with his attorney. Whew. What was the conversation with his attorney after he after his deposition? Was there a conversation about, and, and yeah, I have no idea. calling Tristan a liar. I have no idea. But okay, there, but, but that's what you're saying. After a discussion with his lawyer, he changes and you, fixes his testimony. Did he have a lawyer or like a guardian? Yes, yes. Yes. So he's got his own attorney. Right, yeah, but now and then based upon lying. the conversation like with his attorney, he is changing his testimony, correcting his testimony to, I do not remember. Okay, but there's a big difference between one minute and 40 seconds and even two or three minutes. But again, right, I think he does not time. remember. Okay. Boom. So the reasonable doubt. Boom is for. So I think the reasonable doubt for for this jury has to be that maybe Tristan did it. If Tristan did it, which I do not believe and there's no evidence of, but if the jury believes Tristan did it, then Todd Mullis knows that Tristan did it, which means Todd Mullis. So Todd Mullis is covering for him. Yeah, which means he lied on the stand. So you lie on the stand. Why should the jury believe you? Oh, okay, but now you're you're setting this up as a very noble endeavor by a father. To no, take the not fall. necessarily, no, because I don't believe that. But I'm saying if okay. if the jury believe if in fact Tristan did it, which I do not believe, and there was no evidence of, and no one argued for. Okay, but if that's what uh, the viewers and and listeners and and perhaps other people who are watching the trial believe is the reasonable doubt, there's no evidence of it. And if it did happen, Todd Mullis would know about it, and he did not say anything. His attorney didn't say anything. The verdict stands. Because he's protecting his son, maybe. That's just another story for another day. Okay, another pod. Yeah, and by the way, these trials are great, right? And if you're listening to us and you're like, well, I don't have Court TV. Oh, you, yeah. You may you have Court TV. You have to rescan thing. You may have Court TV and you don't even know it. What, what is that rescan thing? You have to Explain rescan to your television. There's a there's a scanning option on your television okay. where it goes through and, and gets all the channels that are available. It's like an MRI for your TV. Exactly. But since we are relatively new, you may not have scanned your TV recently. So Scan you, it, babe. So rescan it. Rescan it, babe. And Court TV may very well pop up on your television. And after you rescan, can you please uh, tell your friends about the podcast share like rate review write a nice review write a nice lengthy review absolutely and and, and give us five stars give right? us five stars we are so grateful we <laughs> love doing this this it, is the highlight of Vinny's it's life it's the fuel that keeps us going all right I gotta go I gotta go too all right see you Bye. next time 
This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.